Good morning, everybody. I'm Kathy Connor, and I get to be one of the pastors here at First Pres, which is such a huge privilege for me. Every time that you come to worship, whether you are online or you are in this sanctuary, you receive an invitation from God that is just for you. It happens to be written right behind me on this wall. It comes from the very last book of the Bible, Revelation, chapter 22. And it says, the spirit and the bride say come. This is an invitation from God to you to come to worship, to come to him, to draw near to him and allow God to speak hope, encouragement, and love into your life. So just come as you are this morning and let God do the rest. If you are new to First Pres, we are so glad that you're here. And we want you to know that we are here to serve you in any way that we can. We are about building real relationships with God and with each other. And when that happens, we believe that it will lead to real transformation. And if you would, kindly fill out the Connect card on our website after worship or fill out one that is in the pews or you can access it by scanning this QR code. It will take you directly to the site where you can fill out that card and that will enable us to pray for you, encourage you, and help you get connected in to the life of the church. Please pray with me now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have invited us to just come as we are. Lord, you've invited us to come so that we might draw near to you, allowing you to speak hope, encouragement, and love into our lives. Oh, Father, refresh us this morning because we need it. We need the beauty of this day. We need the relationships that we share. We need everything that you want to say to us this morning. We cannot do life on our own. And so, Lord, we open ourselves up to you, expectant, expecting to hear from you, expecting to encounter you in this hour as we hear your words and the music and the prayers and the message. Help us to lean in and trust that you not only love us, but that for this day, you have a purpose for us to live this day more fully, more richly than we thought possible. So give us rest, give us encouragement. And Lord, as we pray, we think of those we know and love who are struggling due to illness, due to loneliness, due to grief. We pray, Lord, with thanksgiving for Jessica Earhart's goddaughter, 15 years old, who had been missing all last week and was found. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Lord, we pray for the family members and friends of Kevin Lang having lost his battle with cancer. We know he is being now reunited with his baby girl in heaven, but we ask for your grace over his family as they grieve his loss. We continue, Lord, to pray with love over Jim Canali, Jerry Denny, Hank Floyd, and Jamie Atkinson, all of whom we love so much, asking you, the great physician, to bring thorough healing into their lives, into their bodies. We pray, of course, for Jackie Faircloth. Lord, we will never stop praying for her. We ask that you would speak into her life this morning. Lord, thank you that you take us just as we are. And you take us down the road to places we never thought possible. All because of your love and grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning, First Pres, and welcome online viewers. As we begin to stand for worship this morning, Kathy said it wonderfully that God just meets us where we're at. 
And that is, it's so important and so true because there's so many times where there are people that come in, sometimes even myself, where you just come in defeated from the week. You're just exhausted and you feel like you've disappointed God or you've disappointed your family, but God is just overabundant in his grace and his mercy and he meets us where we're at. So as we worship and begin to sing, let's celebrate and thank the Lord as we sing this new song. for your strength my story isn't over my story's just begun failure won't define me because that's what my father does failure won't define me because that's what my father does One of my favorite songs, I made him teach it to us. Friends, we're doing something special right now. There's a family leaving us. They're moving to Jacksonville. 
and they've been vitally a part of what we do here about the mission ministry of First Presbyterian Church and who they are and what they've done and what they believe and how they're living life. And so we're going to bring them up, and we're gonna, I'm going to say a couple of nice things about this family, and then anybody would like to is going to come forward and put their hands on them. You folks who are online with us, if when we come together, we realize you won't be able to hear all the prayer that's being prayed. So I'm going to invite you online, folks. If you know and love Scott and Mallory Curtin and their children, Abby and Olivia, then what I want you to do is just stand up wherever you are, and, and you can just sort of reach your hand out like this and pray also while we're doing this. But I'm going to invite Scott and Mallory and Abby and Olivia to come up here as they make their way. I see these beautiful young ladies are having matching dresses, and grandparents are in the room, and the grandparents are not happy with you any more than I am. Are they John and Ruth? So Scott and Mallory, what happened is this. Scott and Mallory, listening to God, listening to each other, listening to their hearts about who they were and what they wanted to do in the world, it happened at the same time. Both of them had new jobs open up for them where they got to leave what they were doing and make new things happen, branches, so to speak, in Jacksonville of what they wanted to be doing. And both of them are getting to lead building these new projects. How was that as a good summary? You like that? Normally I go through all of Mallory's athletic accomplishments that she in high school, et cetera, et cetera, and I'm not going to do that. She, they're both very bright, although Mallory is very, very bright. Yeah, very good. So in addition to just sharing life and faith and friendship, both of them have also taken on really senior leadership positions here at the church. Scott was the propeller, the driver, Lieutenant Commander Curtin, who's left active duty but still is a reserve in the United States Navy. He, he got serve day happening, and it was turned you on. Serve day did hundreds of us out in the community. And there is a captain, a new captain to that ship, but he was the one that taught us how to do it. He was awesome. And he, he wouldn't let go. <laughs> Mallory has been exquisite. She's leading what we call the stewardship committee, figuring out how to help all of us discover what it means in our spiritual life to be generous. We don't want something from you. We want something for all of us. And generosity opens us up in spiritual ways that non-generosity just doesn't allow for. She's been leading that team. And the, and the way that we've been communicating that. And so, and they've been raising their daughters, Abigail and Olivia. So, uh, online folks, if you know them and have their cell phones, text them to tell them that you're here and just so that you're praying with them and for them. And so, they have bought a home. They're leaving this week. Friday. They're leaving Friday and they're going to Jacksonville at the Atlantic Beach and their tears in their eyes and in mine. Yeah. Um, so this has been a privilege to be a part of your life, and I'm not even going to let Kathy do any of the talking here, but go ahead. You get a shot now. I've known Mallory since she was a teenager <laughs> in young life and got to marry them, and we just and baptized babies, and so that's why we're sending them with love and prayers, and one day we hope to get them back. So, so, yeah, and so all, all those pagans in Jacksonville are going to hear about the real Jesus from you too. <laughs> yeah. So the last thing I'll say is this, is that it's hard to move. And it's, but, so I want you to be thinking about them. Here's what's going to happen to them. They're going to discover the magnificence of the family of Jesus in Jacksonville as they make their way into new things there. And some group of Christians in some Christian church, and they are going to find each other. And it's going to be beautiful for them the way it is that has been here. And that's my prayer for you guys. I believe in you. You, you, were, you told me about what you were doing, and I knew in your heart it was the right thing. So they obeyed God, but not me. <laughs> So what, this is what I want to do now. We're going to just have them be here, and if you would like to come and be a part of praying for them, including praying out loud, only on the microphone will Kathy and I be, so you won't be heard online. And those folks who are online, if you want to just sort of stand up now and be, stand up and just be in online and just sort of represent by, by being close to your device or what have you, and maybe putting your hand on your device. And we're going to just, anybody who wants to, just come up here, and we're going to have a huddle and just sort of not even worry about COVID, are we? Mallory's sister and brother-in-law are here, and her mom and dad and niece. Are there others? No. Yeah, a couple others? Nephew. Nephew? Oh, there he is. I see him. So 
let us, anybody who's standing up here who wants to pray, if you want to pray and you're sitting, just jump up and pray out loud, just bellow. I know that's probably not likely that anybody will do it, but it, feel free to do it if you feel that way. So I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to be the last person to pray, and anybody who would like to pray, please do so. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you with all my heart for Mallory and Scott, Olivia and Abby, and just the way in which they, Lord, have not only loved each other well, but allowed us, um, Father, to be recipients of their love, their talents, their giftedness, their faithfulness. Lord, we have been inspired by the way that they have responded to your call all the years that we have known them, the way that they have led in this church sacrificially. And Lord, we just ask that you would not only make a new home for them, but that for them it would be a new church home, a family of faith gathered around them to love their children as they grow in faith and life in the years to come. We ask for your favor over their new businesses. And we ask, um, Lord, that you would take care of so tenderly the relationships they leave behind and that those would continue to be nurtured. Distance does not matter when we can love each other in prayer and in connection because of you, Jesus. And so bless them in ways that they could never have imagined it, Lord. Delight them and surprise them from day one on. Gracious God, we feel the sweet sadness of treasured relationships and distance. And at the same time, we rejoice that you are, in fact, at work in their lives as a family, as a husband, as a wife, as, a, as workers in the world, doing things that are right in the sweet spot of who you made them to be. And for Mallory and Scott and their love for each other and their children and their family, family in Jacksonville, which will now have a chance to be with them more regularly, family here that will have to work a little harder and everybody knows that but we pray again as we've already said for new friends new sense of family and church for the all of the transition for um, the ability to laugh about it when it's just kind of rough thank you for so many things just falling into place where it was clear that you were guiding them and leading them and this is hard for us to say goodbye but we're trusting you in the same way that scott and mallory are that that they don't know quite how it's going to end up but they they're on their way across the river in the promised land and for now, they're going to be in a new place. And we ask that you would flourish them, that they would blossom, that they would prosper, and that they would love you with everything they have in this new place. So we thank you, gracious God, that we have the ability in our lives to take the risk of loving people. And that sometimes it, it's a little bit hurt on the other side when we don't get to be with each other as much. And this is a beautiful thing. Thank you for this family of faith here where we can love each other in this way. All of this, gracious God, in the name of Jesus, who loves us well and has taught us how to love each other. Amen. Amen. So a couple of things that I want to tell you about that are happening, and so we, so two things. One is, if you can sing or you can play an instrument and you would like to audition, we're always wanting to grow this mission, this ministry here. And Adam is a phenomenal leader, and he's growing this team, and we just think it's really good to occasionally say, hey, if you'd like to be in it, what you do is you contact Adam directly, and then he'll talk with you, and he'll set up sort of the interview slash audition process. So this is one of the ways that folks can give of their gifts and abilities and skills, which is to sing and play and help all of us aim ourselves at God. I'll just get one more word in about that. These folks are not performers. All of us together are the performers, and you know who the audience is? You do, don't you? There's the audience. 
So let's do that every time we're in here. Let's sing. It doesn't matter whether you sound good. And we aim it at God, and we'll have people up here who sound good. How's that? Does that sound good? One more thing I want you to know, and up it comes on the uh, wall. One more thing that's happening. Next Sunday, you see this is a picture of me and my friend Nate Forbes. He's the pastor of the Church of God of Prophecy, Hyde Park. It's just south of Kennedy on Oregon Street, right over there near the Starbucks and all that stuff. They came here several weeks ago and led us. Next Sunday, we're going over there and leading them. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to have church. Listen carefully. We're having this in here at 10 o'clock. But Adam and me and Kathy and several members of the band and whoever you would like to come, we're going to rush over there afterwards. If you don't even want to come in here on Sunday morning, the 30th, but you want to go over there, that's okay too. So next Sunday, better together, we're going to go and worship with the Church of God of Prophecy at Hyde Park. Nate Forbes, my good buddy up here, that's what we're doing next week. Let's have a great time doing it, huh? Yeah, absolutely. So in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, spur each other on to acts of love and good works. Friends, you are making a difference in Tampa with the love of Jesus through your generosity. So would you consider making a prayerful decision to think about how much you want to give back to God and make that a recurring gift? Because recurring gifts help create consistency and confidence as we build a budget to do what God has called us to do to love this city and ignite this city with the transformative love of Jesus. Now here's what's so cool. 66 of you are recurring givers and three of you signed up last week to be recurring givers. We are actually praying that 60 more of you would consider becoming a recurring giver. And if you want more information about that, you can go to our website. There are cards in the pews, or Tony Haroon will be outside by the kiosk, and he's happy to answer your questions. What I know is this. Your generosity is a faithful response to the overwhelming generosity of God. God bless you.
What a wonderful day. 
Kathy and I have unbelievably great good news for you. You ready for this? There is an entire book in the Bible that's about your love life. Yes, I mean that. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we're talking about for the next three weeks beginning today. It's a book in the Bible called the Song of Solomon, and we are going to have a good time talking about this. <laughs> yeah, so parents... We think this is really great for your kids, and for those of you who are online, we want you to understand, however, that we're going to be talking about dating and marriage and intimacy, so you may want to decide if you think your kids are ready for this, but we do believe that it will create amazing conversations with your older kids, so make that decision now would be a good time. Um, one thing that we want to mention is not only is it great that there's an entire book in the Bible about our love life, but we want you to know that if you have a love life or had a love life or want to have a love life, we think there's good news in this message series for you. So to prove this, that this is actually in the Bible, you're ready, this is what's going to happen. Kathy and I are right now going to read some of it to each other. You ready? Then we're reading from the Song of Solomon, and we're going to read most of chapter 1 and chapter 2. We'll return to a piece of chapter 2 later when I get the podium in front of me and recover from what's about to happen. God <laughs> help us. <laughs> and we, we, are, we have not rehearsed this, so whatever happens right now is just going to happen. You know what I'm saying? I thought it would be better for us to just see what happens. This is... This is written by King Solomon, the third king of Israel, the son of David. And it's called the Song of Solomon, and I'm going to read the very first verse. This is King Solomon's Song of Songs, more wonderful than any other. <laughs> it's already so funny. Okay. I'm very nervous right now. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm shaking. Okay. Kiss me. And kiss me again. Right now? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it says it. I'm telling you, it says it right here. <laughs> Yo, I got more where that came from. <laughs> 
kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. How pleasing is your fragrance. Your name is like the spreading fragrance of scented oils. No wonder all the young women love you. <laughs> take me with you. Come, let's run. The king has brought me into his bedroom. Did you say, take me with you? Yeah. Woo. I am dark but beautiful. Dark as the tents of Kedar. Dark as the curtains of Solomon's tents. Don't scare, stare at me because I am dark. The sun has darkened my skin. My brothers were angry with me, and they forced me to care for their vineyards, so I couldn't care for myself, my own vineyard. You are as exciting, my darling, as a mare amongst <laughs> Pharaoh's stallions. Do I like that? <laughs> okay. How lovely are your cheeks. Your earrings set them on fire. How lovely is your neck, enhanced by a string of jewels. We will make earrings of gold and beads of silver. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> the king is lying on his couch, enchanted by the fragrance of my perfume. My lover is like a sachet of myrrh, lying, okay, get ready. My lover is like a sachet of myrrh, lying between my breasts. It's scripture. <laughs> it says it right here. You look it up. Song of songs. Look it up. Step. He is like a bouquet of sweet henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. Of course I am. Bouquet <laughs> is what I always think of myself. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful. Your eyes are like doves. You are so handsome, my love, pleasing beyond words. The soft grass is our bed. Fragrant cedar branches are the beams of our house, and pleasant-smelling firs are the rafters. I am the spring crocus blooming on the Sharon Plain, the lily of the valley. A lily among thistles, my darling woman. Like the finest apple tree in the orchard is my lover among other young men. I sit in his delightful shade and taste his delicious fruit. He escorts me to the banquet hall. It's obvious how much he loves me. Strengthen me with raisin cakes. I really don't like those, but we're going to go ahead and read we're it. We're going to go with it. Yeah. Tenderloin of beef, does that That's work for you? That's Steak on the grill. There's the ticket. Strengthen me with steak on the grill. Refresh me with apples, for I am weak with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Ah, I hear my lover coming. He is leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag. I got, I got lost. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> what verse am I reading? It's still me. Oh, I'm just hitting you because you, you're oh. like a young stag. Oh. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into the room. My lover said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past, and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come, and the cooling of turtle doves fills the air. The fig trees are forming young fruit, and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. My dove is hiding behind the rocks, behind an outcrop on the cliff. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Your voice is pleasant and your face is lovely. My lover is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies. Before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee, return to me, my love, like a gazelle or a young stag on the rugged mountains. Well, I promise you it's in there, and that's what we're going to talk about. Let me, let me get, excuse me just a second. We're going to talk about 
marriage. We're going we're to talk about dating, and we're going to talk about marriage, and we're going to talk about intimacy. Sort of talking today mostly about dating, but also anybody who's married. This is going to apply to us. And a little bit about intimacy, but mostly the, all three kind of together for three weeks. But let me just do my best to say a few things about dating today, but mixing the other things in there. And before even I do that, though, there are a couple of things that are really important as we think about what it means to be people who can love each other the way this is talking about. And what I wanted to say is this. There's a principle, there are more than one, there's a principle that is really important for us to understand. And when I say that, I mean biblical principle. So what, what I'm doing is I'm talking to you if, you, if you are a follower of Jesus and you want to live the way God wants you to live, then what we do is we humbly submit ourselves to this text. We call it the Bible. And that's where we go to find out how to live and what to do and what to believe. And that's where we go. And not everyone agrees with everything. And we humbly do our best to understand the meaning of it and move forward. So I'm, that's where I'm going. So this is really a fancy Bible study, like it always is on Sundays here, except we're not used to talking about these matters in the way that we really need to talk about them, particularly in the world that we live in today. So the first thing is to talk about marriage and make this really, really clear. Marriage was designed and implemented by God. That's what the book tells us. In fact, the very first marriage that took place, God officiated. Genesis chapter 2, verses 22 and following. God designed marriage, conceived of marriage. God said, hey, I got an idea. Let's make human beings and let's make them like this. Yeah, all of it. God designed us to have these deep and profound sexual desires. God designed marriage made by God and implemented into humanity by God. I, with everything I have, that's what this text, this book says. Okay, that's really important that we start there. And here's a vital thing to understand. The Apostle Paul says it. The book in Genesis says it. Here is what the Bible is telling us marriage is. Marriage reflects the sacrificial love of God and Christ for you and for me and for all humanity. That's at the root, at the core of what marriage is about. If you're wondering what is marriage about, it is not about whatever you thought it is. If it isn't what I just said, it's about God's self-sacrifice. And in marriage, we reflect self-sacrifice. And that's how we do marriage and do it well and do it best. Marriage and the sacrifice and love of God that we know in Jesus explain each other. So I'm, I'm asking you to think carefully about this and ponder it and stir it. Now, if you aren't married, this is the way you want to think about the possibility of being married. If you are married, you want to go to work on having your marriage adjust to this high biblical principle. It's about me reflecting in the way I treat the other, the way I've been treated, which is self-sacrificed, self-giving. We cannot do any better than what God has done for us in Jesus. And that's what Paul, Ephesians chapter 5, says marriage is about. Now, it's about all the other things. But it was, remember, it was God's idea. And this business about physical intimacy, oh, it's beautifully good in marriage. Now, I say all this, anything I say today, please understand me, I am not judging anybody. That's not what I'm doing. And when I say judge, I, what I mean is I'm not condemning anybody. I'm not calling you out. I'm not saying I'm better than you are. What I'm doing is what I said I'm trying to do. Show us together what the book says God wants as the best for us. And then we have to decide in what way we like it or what way we're going to be submissive, uh, uh, surrender to the book and just trust God to live that way. That's what this is about. I'm no better than anybody. And anything about any of this, I tell you what, I'm, I'm just barely at about the halfway mark. That's about as good as I am at it all. So that, I really want you to understand that. This is about us hitting the ball out of the park biblically. It's not about me, and it's not about anybody being better than anybody else. So I said all this. Do, what you're for, do for your spouse what God has done for you in Jesus. There it is. It's that simple. All the other stuff will take care of itself if that's how we go about marriage. It will just follow so that's the really big principle that I want to make sure we're talking about. But the other one I want to just remind us of, and I've said this a million times 
We are people of the book. The Christian movement is we are people of the book. And this is just not any ordinary book. This is God speaking to us. We call it God's word. And, and Paul writes to his protege Timothy, all scripture is God breathed. God breathed these words into the human authors and they got collected and we have them in our hands. It's God's way of telling us two really important things, how to live and what to believe. That's what scripture is about, how we live and what we believe. And guess what? There's another word that modern people don't like, authority. The Bible is our authority. It's our final authority. It's the ultimate authority. One of the challenges in our world today is we find a way to structure our beliefs around uh, uh, supporting our behavior. We do what we do, and then we build a belief system that says, well, that's how, that's how it should be. And I understand that we're all struggling with it. So here's what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to reverse that, and we read this text and figure out what it says is the right way to believe and what the, what the right stuff is to do, and then we try to mold our behavior according to what we believe. It's a reversal of what's going on out there. It's very hard. Here's God is saying to you and to me with the book. He's saying, here's what I want you to believe. He's saying, here's how I want you to live. Then he's saying, I breathed these words. And then here's one really final important point. God is saying, I don't make mistakes. That's what this book is. And nobody's better than you. But just let me make you understand something. Because I know a lot about the book, and I do, I know a ton about the book. And I read it in its original languages. But that doesn't make me love God anymore. Oh, no. I have to get up in the morning and love God and trust God the same way everybody else does. I, I'm fully responsible for my job as a pastor. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not. But I'm telling you, it doesn't make me love God anymore because I can read Greek. It just doesn't have anything to do with it. That would be like saying a professor of marriage, a sociologist whose expertise was marriage, was great at being married. Well, of course, those two don't have anything to do with each other. You would sort of hope that a sociologist who was a marriage expert would be good at marriage, but I had one that was terrible at marriage. So I don't think I'm terrible at loving God, however. I'm just trying to be the real me, the authentic me, and live my life with authenticity and transparency. And so let's do this. Let's agree that we're going to at least give consideration to the idea. Let's stop tapering our beliefs to fit our behavior, and let's flip it. And let's try to figure out what it is we should believe and do, and let's try to make our behavior match up with that. In marriage, whew, it's like our relationship with God. I've already said that. I'll say it a slightly different way. It, marriage may be the most profound relationship in life other than or in, next to our relationship with God. And marriage, like our relationship with God, is sometimes really hard, sometimes painful. But man, there's something about wondrous. So I can say this about Kathy. I have not been easy to be married to. But we've plowed our way through it. And really, I think most of the stuff that needed to be in the past is in the past, wouldn't you think? And it's behind us, and it really is a totally, we, we just kept at it. It's, it's wondrous. It's still hard sometimes, and we, it's painful sometimes, but also there's wonder in marriage. And you don't have to be at it 43 years to get there. Some of you get there way sooner than I did. I'm just speaking for me. Dating is the on-ramp all of this now that's not what you're hearing out there oh no so we're in we got a huge huge gap between what we hear out there and what we're learning from the text the, the bible doesn't have do this this and this and when you're dating but principles are there and the principles are to get us to be make us people who are marriageable and we've already lifted the high and lofty purpose of marriage up as we've begun to understand what Scripture is about and what Scripture is trying to teach us. And so, yeah, the, the problem is that we have all this stuff that's working against us. Here, here's, here's what's, I'll just give you an, an example. We think out there that somehow there's the one. And what I need to do is find the one. And God bless you if you're wishing that you had a person with whom you could go 
go on-ramp into a deep and meaningful relationship. But think about it for a minute. There's just the one? It, it doesn't even make a whole lot of sense. There are a lot of people out there that could be the person with whom you should live the rest of your life if you're not married person. And guess what? You get to pick. You get to choose. I don't think that God said that one and that one because what happens if we mess it up? What happens if I marry Kathy, but she was supposed to be married to Tim? Then there's a ripple effect and it tears everything up all across the planet. So no, I think there are lots of people, if you're dating, who you shouldn't date. Not because you're better or they're worse, but you just shouldn't date them for any number of reasons. But there are lots of people you should date and could date. And guess what? You get to pick. Now, if biblically we're trusting God and we're making our way down the way that God wants us to date, God's going to honor that. God's going to honor us no matter what. God will never quit loving us. Just, just so you know this, if there's something in your past, who doesn't have a past? It's about forgiveness. It's about grace. It's about starting over. It's about redoing. It's about let's just get a fresh start and keep moving ahead. God does not hold us back because of our past. And many of us, maybe most of us have one. Maybe there's some regret. Let it go. Hey, God, I, I, I messed that one up, but let it go and just go forward. A little more concrete advice about that in just a minute. But let me just keep talking about the problem. Here's a way of stating the problem. The, the myth of the just one is just a part of the problem. It's almost like another myth, which is, I fell in love. Well, so what happens? You fall in love. What happened? A, a, that big, fat, chubby dude shoots you with an arrow. It catches in the butt. And the next thing you know, you, it's like you fell in a puddle and it's all over you. Is that what it means, that you fell in love? What happens if you get married and all of a sudden you go, well, I fell out of love? So I don't think we fall in love. See, love is not just simply a feeling. Love is a full orb of decision and will and volition and choice and commitment. Psalm 138, love never ends. The very last verse of Psalm 138, verse 8 says, Trust God and God's love. God will get it done. God's love is forever. And then the psalmist says, don't bail out on me, God. Don't give up on me. God's love is forever. So it can't be something we fall in and out of. And in marriage, we have already said it. We reflect in marriage God's never-ending love for us. We don't. We stay, we get married, and we work and work and work. And I know some marriages end. And people who've been in marriages that have ended, I'm the last person who needs to tell you how hard that is. It's terrible. It's very difficult. I get it. But God loves you. And if you've been in a marriage and it didn't make it, God loves you. And if you're in a marriage and it's struggling, 10 years of struggle, God loves you. And we keep moving forward. God's love will never end. And next week we're, next week we're going to use the term covenant to talk about this everlasting love the Hebrew word chesed God's love is chesed love it never ends so we don't fall in and out of love in our culture we sort of think that's the measure on whether or not we should live forever with somebody but it's not working all that well because we're thinking of marriage as a contract and not a covenant again I hope I'm teasing you up a little bit for next Sunday that's what we're talking about next week here's another way of summarizing the cultural problem you ready the cultural world. Here's how dating works in the world out there. You ready for me? This is tweetable. Hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. I'm just saying it out loud for effect. I'm not, I'll say it again. Hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. And when you've been in that and you know what that's like, you, you know there's something not working. And here's another for dating people. If that's the pattern, and then you think you found the one, how is it that you think that just because you put on a tuxedo and a white dress that you're going to stand in a church and get married, that all of a sudden your behavior is going to change? It can't. It, that's not how it works. We don't change just because we, the, somebody signs the license. And so the way that the Bible is teaching us the principle about dating is this. Pursue progress, propose, period. Not hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. Pursue, progress, 
propose the period. Who is a person who you might date? Three really concrete pieces of advice I want to give you. People who are married, date each other. Even if you're married, go on dates. Now, I'm, now that's easy for me to say, and I'm just barely getting the, am I getting the C on this? I'm getting better than the C on it? I'm not great at this, and I'm better recently. Date each other. Don't quit dating. Date each other. Pursue, progress, propose, period. Keep doing it. But if you're a person who's not married, here's how you do it. Here's how you date. If you're dating for sex, stop. If you're dating to take, stop. Do it this way. Run your race, so to speak, of living your life. And while you're running, pursue Jesus and his people. And then look around. And who do you notice around you who's sort of running in the same pace? That's who you want to start hanging around. Pursue men. Ask her out on a date that you thought about before 15 seconds before you spoke to her. Speak to her having, and give her room to say no. Think of a place to go and something to do and ask her out and think about it ahead of time and give her some wiggle room. And if she says no, then you keep running your race and you keep pursuing Jesus and you keep pursuing Jesus' people and you keep looking around because God will put somebody, men and women, in your life. That's how it works. And then you, the dating is about pro pursuing each other and progressing and you get to know each other. And, and it can't be about one of the other myths that's out there is physical intimacy is just physical. Oh, you think the smart God of the universe built it that way? And I'm not saying that you don't have a good time and that you're not acrobatic and you, know, you can't do it with somebody you hardly know and do it with somebody you've known a long time and do it with multiple people, whatever. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I'm talking about a biblical definition. And the biblical definition says pursue, progress, propose, period, and it's not just physical. If it was just physical, it'd be like hunger. Yeah, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat. I feel these deep urges. I'm going to go satisfy them. No, it's spiritual. It's relational. It's personal, and we all know it. Here's how we know it. One of the ways we know it. Just imagine your son or your daughter. Do you want your son or your daughter to think of physical sexual intimacy as just a physical thing? And do you want them to practice shack, hook up, shack up, break up, repeat? Is that what you want for your kids? No. And it, 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 we, can, we just know intuitively that can't be right. Because when we start thinking about someone else, someone we love, we know that's not what we want for them. So this chasm between what it's like out there and this beautiful thing that God has made. Oh, this chasm is wide. And so we have to figure out how to listen carefully to each other in the Bible and then try to figure out how to live that way. If Back to dating. If you are dating someone and you begin to get red flags, and particularly with emotional kinds of things, if somebody has uncontrollable anger or they're really, really horrible at conflict resolution or they, they seem to have some kind of active addiction, there's a lot of things to be addicted to, and they don't seem to be making any progress on that, or you sense dishonesty or greed or anything like that. Just This is my advice to you. If something doesn't change, then you have to get out of the relationship. Marriage will not fix it. It will heighten it. Ending a, a bad marriage is one million times worse than a difficult breakup of a dating relationship. I sound like an expert, don't I? I'm not. I'm just watching and listening, and I'm wanting to make my own life a life of love with Jesus and Jesus' people, and I want to run my race. And Kathy and I have been married 43 years, and we're going to keep running. And it's wondrous. 
and that's what I want. And if you're not married and you want to be married, try to find a way to start looking around as you're doing. You want to be not looking for the right one. You're not trying to find the right one. What you want to be is be the one worth finding. Yeah? I'm going to pray. Gracious God, we, here we are in the middle of this phenomenal thing that you've made us. We have these deep, deep longings. And we want them to be the best they can be. And so what we're going to say is we're going to say, hey, it's really hard to figure this out. And I've done some stuff I wish I hadn't done. And I've hurt some people I wish I hadn't hurt. But I'm going to give it another try, God. And what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to listen to you. And I'm going to get a little better at letting my actions get defined by my beliefs. And gracious God, I'm going to pursue you. And while I'm doing it, I'm, I'm going to look around and maybe I'll see somebody who looks like they're running about the same pace. They're sort of in, seem to be around. And we'll pursue you together. And we'll get to know each other. And we'll be able to talk about real things that really matter. And we won't be afraid to talk. And we'll get help if we need it. Because gracious God, we want to be people that love each other sacrificially. We want to give of self in our relationships and in our marriages in a way that reflects your giving to us. And we're excited about that. And thank you, gracious God, that this beautiful thing of intimacy was created by you. And you want us to enjoy it. It's procreation and it's recreation. But you want to protect it in the guardrails of marriage. A covenant. A promise. Never-ending love. Just like your never-ending love. Thank you, gracious God. We are your children. We're humble. We don't even know what we're talking about. But we're having, we're going to have a chance to think about it together. And we want to move the needle towards more and more people who see their lives as a reflection of your love and grace, particularly their relationships and their marriages. All this in the name of Jesus who loved us so well and teaches us how to love. Amen. time.